Welcome to My Two Cents Podcast, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by G2. I am G2, and today I'm going to be talking to you about and giving you the wrestling highlights of the week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and Impact Wrestling. Also, at the end of this broadcast, well, before the end of this broadcast, I will be giving you my predictions for next week's two pay-per-views of Impact Wrestling's uh, Slammiversary and WWE's Money in the Bank. Now, let's head on with the show. Starting off with Monday Night Raw to begin and open up Monday Night Raw, we had Miz TV. Miz TV had Miz, John Morrison, Drew McIntyre, Riddle, and Ricochet. And also they were interrupted by AJ Styles and Omos. The main point of this was to have each man that was representing Raw on the men's Money in the Bank ladder match tell about how they were going to win the Money in the Bank. AJ Styles and Omos came out. AJ talked about how last week he got screwed out of the triple threat match and how it should have just been a one-on-one match since Randy Orton wasn't there. Riddle shouldn't have taken Randy Orton's spot. It should have just been a straight one-on-one match. And also AJ protested that he didn't lose the match. Riddle got pinned, so he shouldn't have to pay the consequences because of Riddle's misfortune in accidents just because he was in the match last week. In the end, it all came down to a brawl as these big uh, situations usually happen, and the last men that were in the ring were Ricochet and Morrison, and just so happened, their match was up next, so you had Ricochet versus John Morrison next, and John Morrison beat Ricochet by countout. Ricochet uh, was Ricochet and Morrison were fighting on the apron. Well, Morrison was on the apron. Ricochet did a high flying move, a high flying crossbody onto Morrison as Morrison was on the apron, and they both fell to the outside. Morrison got in the ring, and then Miz in his wheelchair uh, rolled himself over in. Be- to in between the ring and Ricochet to make it harder for Ricochet to get back in the ring. And the referee counted to 10, and Ricochet was deemed counted out. So that's how John Morrison won the match. After this match, you had a eight-woman tag team match where it was Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Eva Marie, and Dewdrop beating Nikki Cross, Naomi, Alexa, and Asuka by pinfall whenever Nia Jax hit Nikki Cross with the Samoan drop. And again... After the match, Eva Marie, with her uh, egomaniacal self, she grabbed the microphone and she said, and the winner is Eva Marie, which had Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler looking at Eva with a disgusted face. And you even had Nia Jax wanting to try to put hands on Eva, but Reginald had to calm Nia Jax down and that ended that segment. After this, you had the match of Mustafa Ali going against... Mansoor and Mustafa beat Mansoor by pinfall by hitting him with a roll up and this is basically the whole story of this match is Mustafa Ali is trying to mentor Mansoor. Mansoor is the new upcoming guy on Raw and Mansoor is just like every new guy that goes to Raw or new guy that goes to the main roster. Their whole heads is, is full of hope and they're just trying to be the good guy and all this crap and garbage while Mustafa Ali is teaching Mansoor and telling him, listen, I understand where your mind is going. I've been you, but I'm trying to teach you that you need to look out for yourself. And as weeks have gone on, Mansoor has been learning by example from Mustafa Ali. And this week he learned another precious lesson to always think for yourself and always be for yourself because Mustafa Ali faked an injury in the match. He had his foot caught in the ropes and the ropes were tied up around his ankle. Mustafa Ali was yelling out in agony and pain, and Mansoor was conflicted on whether he should help out or not. In the end, he ended up helping out get Mustafa Ali's ankle out of the ropes, and whenever that came about, Mustafa Ali rolled up Mansoor and got the three. And as Mustafa Ali was going up the ramp, he yells at Mansoor in the ring. He tells him, you need to think for yourself. I told you, you need to start thinking for yourself. After this, you had Drew McIntyre beat Jinder Mahal by DQ. When Indy Shear came in and attacked Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre was setting up for the Claymore kick, and then Indy Shear came out. The Indy Shear, if you don't remember, are the two Indian fellows that are now with Jinder Mahal, and 
they came in and they start beating up on Drew McIntyre. But Drew McIntyre was able to hold his own and he was about to end up laying them laying both Indy Shear in the into the mat until Jinder Mahal came in and basically super kicked uh, McIntyre in the face. Now, as McIntyre is laid out on the ground, Indy Shear and Jinder Mahal walking up the ramp and you see Jinder Mahal go to the back and then he comes right back out and he's holding Drew McIntyre's family heirloom sword. And he's telling Drew McIntyre, since you took a place from me, and he's referencing the Money in the Bank ladder match as Drew McIntyre has a spot, I now have something of yours. And now he's talking about the Drew McIntyre family heirloom sword. So they're going to basically revolve this whole feud of Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre around a family heirloom sword. I'm not sure how WWE wants to play this. This seems a little hokey to me, but sure, cool. If you want to try to sh uh, give Jinder Mahal a little shine since he hasn't had shine since, what, 2018? Do it. Fine. Jinder Mahal looks this specimen. He looks jacked up. So, I mean, if you want to do it, do it. Hey, that's just my opinion on that. After this match, we had the tag team match of Lucha House Party beating Mace and T-Bar by pinfall whenever Lince Dorado hit uh, Huna Karana onto T-Bar. This was another throwaway match just to highlight and probably showcase both teams. Yet again, this does nothing in the big grand scheme of things. It was just nothing but filler for the television show. After this match, you had Riddle going against AJ Styles, and Riddle beat AJ by pinfall. Riddle was able to hit uh, AJ Styles with a schoolboy, and also in the process, Omos was distracted by the Viking Raiders. Viking Raiders distracted Omos on the outside. Omos tried to attack one of the Viking Raiders, but the one of the Viking Raiders was able to dodge Omos, and AJ Styles was distracted, and that led to uh, Riddle getting a schoolboy onto Styles. After this match, you had the in-ring uh, promo of Charlotte Flair. She came out on a crutch and saying that how she hurt her leg and everything else. Then Rhea Ripley interrupted the promo and she came out on a crutch. The whole main focus point is this. They are playing a game of you do this, I do that. Anything you can do, I can do better. That's this whole story thing is. Rhea Ripley is basically a little mini-me of Charlotte in Charlotte's eyes. And Rhea Ripley is just basically looking at Charlotte and telling Charlotte, anything you can do, I can do it. Just as better, or if not, the same as you. And Rhea Ripley was able to kick the crutch away from Charlotte and exposing Charlotte was fine. And those two women start duking it out uh, with crutches, as in like they were swinging at each other like they were lightsabers. They were clinging and clashing into one another. In the end, Rhea Ripley got the upper hand on Charlotte whenever she broke her uh, Charlotte's crutch, and she was able to hit Charlotte in the gut, and she was about to lay in that crutch on Charlotte's back, but Charlotte was able to roll out of the ring. So we will have to see how the storyline progresses next week. And after this uh, segment, we had the match of Riker going against Cedric Alexander and Elias, basically in a handicap match. And Riker beat uh, Cedric with a black hole slam as Elias walked away. Elias is not trying to touch any portion of Riker, he is afraid, he's intimidated by Riker, and Riker only wants to get his hands on Elias. That's all Riker's whole main focus is right now, just to put Elias in a whole lot of pain and just destroy Elias. After this match, you had your main event of the New Day beating Lashley and MVP by pinfall whenever Kofi Kingston hit MVP with a trouble in paradise. It was a solid tag team match. Again, if you want to have a good tag team match, you put the New Day in. The New Day was also ranked WWE's greatest tag team of all time last week. So that also was able just to highlight to you. New Day are able to perform in tag team matches. They're also able to do their thing in singles matches. So the New Day are the greatest trifecta that WWE has ever had. Yes, and that means they even toppled the Shield. The Shield only lasted, what, 2013, what, to 2015? While the New Day has lasted since 2014, and we're going on now to 20... No, no, they didn't last in 2014 because they didn't start in 2014. They lasted and they started in the end of 2015... And now we're in 2021, so that's a good six. We're going on six years. The New Day has been around as a whole unit. Begin to my point, this match was basically to highlight Kofi Kingston's ability to yet again beat 
a member of the Hurt Business and to also showcase that Kofi is a main event star. That's all this match was set up for. So next week, Lashley will go against Xavier Woods. And more or less, Lashley will showcase his dominance over Xavier Woods. And then at the end, I see Kofi Kingston probably coming in and try to throw some hands onto Lashley to showcase that, yes, you're big and you're strong, but I am that guy. I am Kofi Kingston. I am a former WWE champion, and I have beaten you before, and I will do it again at Money in the Bank. That's my prediction for next week's Monday Night Raw. Now, on to NXT. NXT this week had their special edition of Great American Bash and start to show off. You had MSK defending their NXT tag team titles against Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. MSK ends up beating Timothy Thatcher and Ciampa by pinfall whenever Wesley hit an inside cradle on Thatcher. This was a great opening tag team match for NXT. Again, NXT uh, delivers in tag teams. WWE delivers in tag teams, but on the main roster, they have a hard time delivering tag team matches unless it's the New Day or the Usos. RK-Bro is starting to do something, but majority of the time, it's basically the New Day and the Usos. But NXT, they're able to hit bangers with tag team matches every time they're given the opportunity. And this was, uh, this was nothing else but a banger. After this match, we had the in-ring uh, promo of... William Regal calling out both Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross, And the main point of this call-out was to let Johnny and Cross know that next week on NXT television, it will be a one-on-one -on -one match between the two for the NXT title, and the special guest referee will be Samoa Joe. In the end, Cross tried to get at Johnny Gargano, but Samoa Joe stepped in between the two, and you saw Cross staring at Samoa Joe and Joe just staring at Cross. And you could tell that next week we could see some collision course between Joe and Cross because Samoa Joe is just waiting for the opportunity for somebody to really push his button so he can really lay hands and I mean throw hands and put him out to sleep and hit him with everything that he got. Samoa Joe is waiting for that opportunity, and Cross just might be the one next week. We'll just have to see about that. After this promo, we got the Million Dollar Championship match between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. And if Cameron Grimes did lose this match, he will become LA Knight's butler. Which, in case, he will become LA Knight's butler because LA Knight did beat Cameron Grimes by pinfall whenever LA Knight hit the BFT on Cameron Grimes. And the BFT, ladies and gentlemen, is whenever he... Uh, kicks you in the gut, and he basically gives you a modified Stone Cold Stunner, but without hitting his butt, he just drives your face to the mat. Since Cameron Grimes did lose to LA Knight, Cameron Grimes will have to be LA Knight's butler, and now LA Knight will be completing the whole million dollar package, having a million dollar title, having the butler, vice versa of what back in the day a million dollar man, million dollar man had a million dollar championship, and he had a butler, but his butler was named Virgil. And LA Knight's butler will now be named Cameron Grimes. Let's see how that uh, storyline unfolds next week on NXT, more or less. After this match, we had the NXT Women's Tag Team titles of Io Shirai and Zoe Starks going against Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Io Shirai and Zoe Starks did beat Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell by pinfall whenever Zoe Starks hit the K360 to Indy Hartwell. The K360 is whenever you flip your opponent from their back to their front and you hit them with your knee to their face. So it's basically the ability to back uh, knee to the face. And before she did that, Candice LeRae was distracted because Tegan Knox didn't happen to make her NXT return. Previously, like throughout the weeks, like two to three weeks ago, NXT would start having this battery show up on their programming. And it would start from 0% and then from weeks go on they will start starting, go from 0 to 20%, and to 25%, to 40%. This week, it happened to hit 100% in the middle of this match, and Tegan Knox came out, and the lights popped on, popped up, and Tegan Knox was on the uh, ramp, and that shocked Kenneth LeRae, and I forgot that Kenneth LeRae was the one that put Tegan Knox on the shelf last year whenever this whole pandemic thing was going, so they had to bring it back and let you be reminded that Candace, not, Candace was the one that put Tegan on the shelf. Anyway, Candace LeRae was distracted by Tegan, and Tegan was just uh, walking to the ring as Zoe starts hit the K360 to Indy Hartwell. So that gave 
Io and Zoe the win to win the NXT Women's Tag Team Titles. After this, you had the Hit Row uh, Cypher Celebration. And what that is, is each member of Hit Row, except for Ashanti Diodonis, dropped some bars. They all rapped in freestyle. Yet again, I'm not the one to critique this whole thing. I'm a guy that likes to listen to rap with the beats and everything else. I'm not a really much a acapella type guy because their beats weren't the crisp and best of beats. But I understand some of the lyrics and some of the lyrics were cool and fine. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it was bad or good. It was just I to me. But this was just another dimension of NXT, another dimension of WWE to open up and showcase that, yes, we are an evolving business. We're trying to step out of the box and do everything that we can to basically uh, include every culture that we can in WWE. So I like that they were able to include the rapping elements of Hit Row in this whole thing. And basically give another dimension of Hit Row and another dimension of WWE by doing this whole cipher. Anyway, uh, after the cipher, we came down to the main event of Adam Cole going against Kyle O'Reilly in a straight one-on-one match. And Adam Cole beat Kyle O'Reilly by pinfall whenever he hit Kyle O'Reilly with the Panama Sunrise and then the last shot. And now we're at one and one. Kyle O'Reilly beat Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver, stand and deliver night two in an unsanctioned match. While now Adam Cole has beaten Kyle O'Reilly in a straight on one-on-one match at the Great American Bash. We shall see how this thing plays out. I see that they're going to have an NXT TakeOver like the night before SummerSlam, and this will probably be one of their matches, Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole, the one to end it all. And I see that, I see that where they're probably going to go with this. They have a month to build this match up in that way, but I see that they're probably getting their wheels turning for next week on NXT. Adam Cole is probably going to come out and celebrate and say, yeah, I beat Kyle O'Reilly, yada, yada, yada. And Kyle Raleigh's probably going to come out and say, hey, I beat you already once, so we're going to run this back one more time. I see how they're probably going to play this out next week, but that's just, yet again, my prediction for next week of what they might do. Now on to AEW. AEW this week had their little special show called AEW Road Rager. And to open the show, we had Cody Rhodes going against QT Marshall in a soft beach strap match. And then to win this match, you had to touch all four corner posts, uh, at the exact, not at the exact same time, but continuously, meaning you had to touch one after the other, after the other, after the other. You couldn't stop in between. If you stop in between, the referee had to flag it off, and you basically had to start all over again. Cody ends up beating QT Marshall, but before he was able to touch all four turnbuckles, he hit QT Marshall with three uh, uh, crossroads in a row. So he had, again, one crossroads after the other, after the other. But before he did that, QT Marshall did spit on Cody on his chest, and that was kind of disgusting. And the camera guys really was able to really catch the spit on Cody. So that infuriated Cody, which led Cody into hitting QT Marshall with three crossroads and then getting him with the touching of the four turnbuckles to Cody winning the South Beach strap match. And it was a straight solid strap match. You had Cody laying in some shots with the straps, but they didn't really uh, use the straps as I thought they were going to. But this match wasn't, this whole feud wasn't really that much of a blood feud. I wish they was a blood feud so we could have saw them really lay in with the straps. I wish they would have used this last year with the match with Cody and MJF. But then again, this is only hindsight being 2020 because last year it would have made it all much more sense because Cody had to endure 10 lashes to the back by MJF. And if he would have did the strap match with MJF, this would have allowed Cody to get redemption for those 10 lashes. But yet again, this is only hindsight being 2020. After this match, we had the in-ring promo of Kenny Omega and Don Callis. And the main point of this was Don Callis also reinforcing yet again what Kenny Omega said last week, that he has beaten everybody in in. AEW, and there's nobody else for Kenny to beat while the crowd was chanting, cowboy crap, cowboy crap. And then the Dark Order came out, and Evil Uno came and talked 
for the whole Dark Order and talk for the fans saying that there's one man that Kenny hasn't beaten. There's one man that Kenny is ducking. It is the number one ranked man on AEW's rankings for the AEW world title, which happens to be Hangman Adam Page. He doesn't say Hangman by name. He just mentions the number one contender, and everybody knows exactly who that is. This leads to Kenny Omega hitting a sophomore joke and basically asks Evil Uno, do you know the capital of Thailand? And before Evil Uno can say, yeah, I do know the capital of Thailand, which we all know. If you don't know, the whole juvenile prank is, if you ask somebody, do you know the capital of Thailand? You're going to hit somebody in the family jewels and say Bangkok. You get the drift. Uh, Kenny didn't just punch him in the jewels. No, no, no. He kicked uh, Evil Uno directly in the jewels, and this led to Dark Order coming out and try to lay hands with Kenny and Don, but the Good Brothers came out there and was able to decimate uh, the Dark Order, and Kenny Omega was able to lay hands on Stu Grayson, and as all this big commotion is going out, and Dark Order is getting beat down by the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega, uh, Hangman Adam Page comes out, and he makes the save for the Dark Order. He starts clearing house. He throws out both members of the Good Brothers, uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And then he almost uh, hits Kenny Omega with the buckshot lariat, but he stops and he just looks at Kenny. And him and Kenny are now standing in the ring and they're jaw jacking to one another. And you see Carl Anderson get back in the ring and uh, Hangman dealt with Carl, and then as that's happening, Kenny was about to hit uh, Hangman with the AEW Championship, but Hangman turns around and looks at Kenny, and Kenny flies himself out of the ring, and this is now leading up to Hangman Adam Page getting his shot with Kenny Omega somewhere down the line. Don't know when. I get again. I'm calling it again. I see Hangman going against Kenny Omega at their next pay-per-view all out. But that's in September, I believe. So we got a good solid time to build up to that. And AEW, I'll give them credit for anything else. They know how to build a story and tell a story. And right now, with the with the way that they're going, I'm sorry, with the way that they're going, this story between Hangman and Kenny is going to be one of the best stories that they have told in AEW. And if anything, it's probably going to be one of the best stories that professional wrestling has had in 2021. I'm I'm saying this is going to be one of the best. Right now, the crown holder right now is still the Usos and Roman Reigns, the head of the table. But I'll get more into that whenever I talk about SmackDown. After this segment, we had the Darby Allen and Ethan Page sit down with JR interview. And the main point of this is just to hype up their coffin match next week. Darby talked about how Ethan Page is jealous of him. Uh, being in these high-profile matches and being in AEW for Ethan Page, will have Ethan Page got into AEW and how in one year Darby Allen was able to accomplish what Ethan Page has tried to accomplish in his whole twelve years at the time of being in professional wrestling. Ethan Page didn't run away from the pro problem. He said, "Yeah, Darby Allen is right." I hate that he got here before I did. I hate that he's in these big matches, and I'm not. I hate it. I'm the man that took him underneath my wing. But next week, I'll be able to. I'll be the one to put him in the coffin. I'll be the one to end his whole career, and that's what he plans on doing next week. So next week, we should be see a bloody match between Ethan and Darby. I want blood because that's the way this they're hyping this thing up to be. But if we don't get blood, I want there to be a, at least a good amount of hardcore spots in this coffin match. That's just me and what I want. After this segment, we got FTR and Warlow going against Santana and Ortiz and Jake Hager in the six-man match, as AEW will call it, a trios match. And FTR and Warlow beat Santana, Ortiz, and Jake Hager by pinfall when FTR hit Jake Hager with the big rig while Tully Blanchard distracted the referee. And after the match, Conan got in the ring and hit Warlow with an eight ball. Basically, a eight ball is not just the ball, the, the eight ball, but a sock with uh, a material in it. And he hit Warlow in the back. Warlow didn't even face. He turned around and looked at Conan. And Conan was standing there all ready to fight all four member, all three members until totally chop-blocked Conan in the leg and Conan fell down like a ton of bricks. And then you got FTR and Warlow and Tully start going out of the ring as Santana, Ortiz, and Hager came in to check on 
Conan. So this tells you that their little feud right there is not over, not in the long shot. After this, we had the confrontation of MJF and Chris Jericho, and they had basically a contract signing, and MJF told Chris Jericho that MJF is going to put Chris Jericho through a ringer of matches. He has to go through four matches. Each one of those matches will have different stipulation, and he has to win each four of those matches back to back to back before he can get to MJF. Jericho was okay with this. He shook hands with Jer uh, MJF, but he held MJF's hand, and he pulled him in. He hit him with a Judas effect. That was basically all that whole confrontation was all about. And after this, we got Andrade El Idolo and going against Matt Seidel. This was Andrade's first AEW match, and he beat Matt Seidel by pinfall when he hit the El Idolo to Matt Seidel. El Idolo is a hammerlock flatliner and is a basic simple move. It looks simple. It didn't look that much devastating. But we shall see what more comes out of Andrade in the near future. Yet again, this is just nothing but a showcase match to let everybody know that Andrade still can go in the ring and they put him up against a real uh, competitive and able man like Matt Seidel to showcase Andrade still can go in that ring. After this match, we had Arn Anderson come out and he had was going to address the fans and he was going to address... Uh, Cody winning the strap match earlier and his son Brock being in AEW. But before he can do that, the lights went out. And I want to make mention to this. The lights went out in the strap match with Cody and QT Marshall. And I thought that a guy was going to debut in the middle of that match. And that didn't happen. And the commentary team did inform the people watching at home that uh, there was a storm and everything else happening earlier in Florida and that there were some technical difficulties earlier as they were setting up. So this is probably a technical difficulty. So just to flashback this now, Arn Anderson is in the ring. The lights go out and you see people on commentary say, uh, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we did have a storm earlier. There was technical difficulties. Remember earlier in the match between Cody and QT. So this is probably just another technical difficulty. Lights go out for about a good 10 seconds. After the 10 seconds go off and the lights pop back on, it is debuting time for Aleister Black, the man formerly known as Aleister Black in WWE. But now in AEW, he goes by the name Malachi Black, and he hits Arn Anderson with the Black Mask, which is not going to be known as a Black Mask because WWE has that trademark. We don't know what the finish will be called now, but he did hit Arn Anderson with the Black Mask. And he's standing over Arn, and then he sees Cody get into the ring, and he's hyped up for Cody to try to do something. And Cody just revolves around Arn, and Alistair revolves around the opposite side, and then he spinning hit kicks uh, Black Mask to Cody in the face. And you hear the crowd just all cheering for him and calling him Tommy, Tommy. Tommy in was going to be his independent name. After he got released from WWE, but now since he got picked up, his name is now Malachi Black in AEW. Everybody was so excited and just happy to see this guy that got released by WWE. And he has so much potential that WWE didn't use any of his potential. And now you get to see at least a slight glimpse of that in AEW. Everybody was excited and I was excited too. And the reason how he was able to debut at AEW so quickly was because he even shed some light on this on Twitch. Alistair, well, sorry, Malachi Black explained that his contract was different from certain people in WWE. Because in NXT, you have a contract that if you get fired from uh, NXT, you will have 30 days until you can't. You have 30 days that you can't do nothing. You have a 30-day non-complete clause for uh, NXT talent. And whenever he got called up to the main roster, they happened to not renew his contract. And on a main roster contract, you have 90 days non-complete non -complete clause. So, in the shorter notes, Tommy End, Aleister Black, Malachi Black, however you want to call him or however you want to remember him, he had a 30-day non-complete clause. And that... Ended, so 
Now he's in AEW. Ta-da. And I'm happy for the man. After this, we got uh, the mixed tag team match of Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander going against the Blade and the Bunny. And Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander beat the Blade and the Bunny whenever uh, Chris Statlander hit the Big Bang Theory onto the Bunny and got the pinfall. After this match, we had Dan Lambert, who is the man and owner of America Top, American Top Team. I'm hoping I say the name right. American Top Team in Florida. And with him, he, he had uh, Jorge Masvidal and Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes is a two-weight uh, champion in UFC. And Jorge Masvidal is the BMF champion. It's basically just like the Million Dollar Championship, but it's, that's for the UFC. Anyway, Dan Lambert gets in the ring. He's an honorary guest of AEW. He runs down the AEW fans saying how... He doesn't like this style of wrestling and that if he wants to watch wrestling, he has to pop in old videotapes of the 1980s of Florida Championship Wrestling and how those men were men and how these wrestlers here are not men. And he just runs down the company until Lance Archer comes in there and punches Dan Lamberg and hits him with the blackout. He puts Dan basically to sleep. After this segment, we got the main event of... The Young Bucks going against Eddie Kingston and Penta in a street fight. And Young Bucks beat Eddie Kingston and Penta by pinfall whenever Matt Jackson stuffed Eddie Kingston's mouth full of thumbtacks and he hit him with a super kick. And they got him with the 1-2-3. This was a excellent, yet again, another excellent tag team match. And for AEW, if you need a great tag team match, you can look at it. If you need to watch great tag team wrestling, you can watch NXT, you watch AEW. Raw, only time you should watch it for a great tag team match whenever you have the New Day on it. And for SmackDown, you only watch whenever they have the Street Profits or the Usos. Mysterios still got some way of work to do. But the greatest tag team matches that you will see on the North American uh, part of the world is NXT and AEW. I stand by that 100% at me. Don't at me. I don't care what you do. I mean what I say. And this was a great addition of tag team wrestling. You had the Young Bucks coming out in cut shorts and just being all doofus. I mean, just doofified while Eddie Kingston was looking straight like he usually does in his ring attire, ring gear, while Penta's still wearing the Joker uh, attire that he's been wearing for some time now. The Joker attire still looks fresh. I thought he would have came out with something else, but hey, that Joker attire still looks nice. He hit, uh, they had Penta hit Matt Jackson with a Canadian Destroyer off the apron onto a table outside the ring. You had chairs, you had thumbtacks, you had table spots, you had a lot of dangerous, uh, just dangerous objects used in this match. And anybody could have been hurt in this thing. It was just a great tag team match, a great main event in AEW Dynamite. And this was just a show to let people know that, hey, AEW's back on the road. You need to come to AEW whenever they come around your town because anything is likely and liable to happen and you don't want to miss it. You should always be at an AEW event. And also, what I do need to clarify as well, and what I do need to announce is this. AEW next week will have Fighter Fest Night 1, and on that show, you will have John Moxley defending the IWGP United States Championship against Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson is one half of the Good Brothers, as already noted before, and John Moxley has been on television for a good solid, I'll give it three weeks, or almost a month now. So this will be his first time back on AEW television, and he will be defending the IWGP United States Championship. Now, the small little thing that you need to remember, and I'm going to tell you guys is that New Japan is coming to American soil in August. So we could see New Japan kind of tying themselves over in this match next week. I'm not saying that they will. But I would just put a precautionary note, if you're around Texas area next week, you should get your tickets and walk, just be there just in case a New Japan talent happen to show up and probably cause some distraction in this match or even show up after the match. 
Just a little precautionary tale for you. And also, the MF, the not MF, the FTW Championship will be defended by Brian Cage whenever he goes against Ricky Starks. This is Team Taz member going against Team Taz member, hopefully to end the whole dispute and rivalry that within Team Taz. And right now, I see it right now. I'm calling it now. Team Taz will kick out Brian Cage next week, and Ricky Starks will be the man in Team Taz. That's just me. I see them kicking out Brian Cage and just giving that victory off to Ricky Starks, and now Ricky Starks will be the FTW champion. That's just my prediction for next week's match for that one. Now to Impact Wrestling. To start to show off, we had Jake Something going against Brian Myers, and the stipulation was if Jake Something beat Brian Myers, Brian Myers had to call Jake Something a professional wrestler, which Brian Myers has been detesting doing. He's never called Jake Something a professional. He's called him everything else. He called him a loser. He's called other names, but he's never called him a professional. But that was something Jake Something was trying to change tonight and he did jake something beat brian myers by pinfall whenever he hit him with a black hole slam and after the match brian myers got the mic and he said that he wanted to tell jake something something he wanted to tell him and then sam bill comes out and chop blocks uh jake something and brian myers starts beating up on jake something with sam bill until Matt Cardona comes out, the formerly Zack Ryder. He comes out to save Jake something from Sam and Brian Myers. After this, we got Deanna Perrazzo beating Lady Frost, who was making her Impact Wrestling debut by submission whenever Deanna laid in the armbar onto Lady Frost and made Lady Frost tap out. Gail Kim happens to come out and tell Deanna Perrazzo that Slammiversary, Deanna Perrazzo will be putting up her Knockout Championship against a mystery opponent and she let Deanna Peraza know Deanna you want to be at the top of this uh knockouts division you want to be known as one of the greatest knockouts to ever exist that means you have to take on anybody at any time which you have done but you will be taking on a person of my choosing and the board of directors choosing at Slammiversary and you will know who that person is whenever you go against them at Slammiversary. Letting Deanna know that she would not know who the person is at all, but Gail Kim did let her know that you need to train and you need to try to study up on anybody as much as you can because at Slammiversary is going to be a fight for that knockout title. After this, we got W. Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cass. I will always say that because W. Morrissey sounds horrible as a name. He beat three job guys by hitting one with a big boot, hitting one with a power bomb, and hitting one with an F5, and he stacked them all on top of each other, and he pinned them all. This was basically to show Eddie Edwards' uh, message, and show him that I can beat up anybody, and you need to understand that. After this, we got Rosemary and Havoc beating Susan and Kimberly by pinfall whenever Susan got hit by a spear by Rosemary. After this, we got TJP, Rich Swan, Falaba, and Mac coming out, and they had an in-ring promo between four of them, and they basically tried. The main point was that each each team was claiming that they have a right to go against Violence by Design for the Impact Wrestling Tag Titles. Violence by Design comes out, and before they even can say a word, the Good Brothers come out behind them, and the Good Brothers let each one of them know that not just don't think just because they're on different shows that they main focus hasn't changed. Their focus is still on the Impact Wrestling Tag Team titles, and that they are truly the next ones in line for those Impact Tag Team titles. Tommy Dreamer comes out, and he informs all four teams that at Slammiversary, it will be a fatal four-way tag team match for the Impact Wrestling Tag Titles. So let me spell that out for you. It will be Falaba and TJP going against Rich One and Willie Mack, going against any members of Violence by Design, going against the Good Brothers for the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Titles. And with that announcement, he let all those teams know that Right now, this will be a fatal four-way match, and Carl Anderson will go against TJP, going against Rich Swan, going against Diener. And Carl Anderson beat Diener whenever he hit Diener with a gun stun, which is an RKO, and he got him with the one, two, three. So Carl Anderson won that fatal four-way match. 
After this, we got the contract signing of Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan. Earlier in the night, Sammy Callahan was arrested because uh, the sheriff was informed that Sammy Callahan attacked Don Callis. He physically assaulted Don Callis. Callahan did not believe this. Callahan said this is bullcrap. He got arrested. He got pulled out for the rest of the night. As the contract signing was going down, uh, they showed a footage of Sammy, supposedly Sammy beating up Don Callis, but it wasn't Sammy Callahan. It was Johnny Bravo uh, dressed up as Sammy Callahan as Johnny Swinger was recording the supposed beatdown, which really wasn't a beatdown. It was only like a hit, but not even a real hit. It was a uh, fake hit. They made the situation up. Um, that's long story short. Uh, Don Callis made the story up, they caught it on film, they played the whole full v footage, and the lights go out, and the lights pop back on, Sammy Callahan's in the ring, he hits uh, Kenny Omega in the chest with a baseball bat, and him and Kenny are brawling, and they're brawling, and they're brawling, and Callahan gets the best of it, he puts uh, Callahan through the table, he signs the contract, and now it's been official at Slammiversary next week. It will be Kenny Omega going against Sammy Callahan for the Impact Wrestling World Championship. Now off to SmackDown. To open up SmackDown, we had Roman Reigns had an in-ring promo, and Roman Reigns was talking about how Edge last week told a lie, and how Edge said that last week how Ed, uh, Roman was scared and afraid of losing and that Edge and Roman both know that Edge can beat him. Roman said that I hate liars and Edge told a lie. And he talked about how Edge talked about family stuff and then he said, you know what? Right now it's the perfect time to talk about family. And then as soon as he says this, five seconds later, the Usos theme music come, hits. Jimmy Uso comes down to the ring and Jimmy Uso tells Roman, where was he last week? I was here trying to take care of something for you, for you, not for me, but for you. And you weren't nowhere around. Roman said, listen, I had to take care of your job. I did something that you weren't able to do. And then the Uso's music hit again. And this time, main event, Jay Uso comes back. Jay Uso is back and he goes into the ring and he tells Jimmy and Roman that he is back not for any one of them. He's back for the whole team. He's back for the whole squad. He looked at Roman and said, listen, your right hand man is back. And he looked at Jimmy and he said, listen, I am here. You know, I always got your back, even in the hardship that we're in right now, even in the hardship that you're in right now. Keep your head up. I'm here for you. I'm here. Me and you are going to be back together. Me and you are back together. We're going to be the next seven time tag team champions. And the hardships that he was talking about is Jimmy Uso this week. On Monday, he got arrested for a DUI, okay? And that made the news, that made the internet waves, that made just... That was one of the big news of this week in wrestling. And that was making everybody wonder, how is this storyline going to work? Because everybody was so high up on Jimmy. Everybody was so high up on the... Roman Reigns story, and now Jimmy getting busted for a DUI. How is this going to work? Apparently, it's not hurting them at all. But I will say this right now, just to put a pause to this. Jimmy Uso, if you happen to listen to this, I want you to get some help, brother. Go to AA. Do something, man, because your family needs you. Not professional wrestling family. No, no, no. Your real family needs you because, bro, this is your third one now under the WWE umbrella because you got two in 2019 anybody can look it up it was on tmz bro it was on you got two in 2019 this one right now is your third one and i don't want wwe to fire you because you have a family to feed you also need to look out for your own mental uh self if you can't handle your drinks my man don't drink at all do not drink if you can't handle them, don't drink. If you happen to need a drink, just probably just drink one drink. I'm all against not drinking. But if people happen to need a drink, just drink one. Don't need to drink excessive. Just drink one drink and call it off. If you can't handle that one drink, no need to drink. That's coming from G2 and My Two Cents Podcast over here. We want to see you to still be around. We don't want nothing to happen to you that will ultimately lead down to your demise in in the future as a person. I don't care about professional. 
as a person, you need to continue to live because you got children at home. You got a wife that is still on the roster that I know cares for you. And you got family. You got your father. You got your brothers. You got your cousins. You got the whole Samoan tribe looking basically at you. No pun intended. You. That's the truth. Then Roman Reigns as, Samoa, as the head of the table. Yeah, as a storyline. Yeah, that's cool and all. But you with this DUI, brother, you got your whole dynasty, your whole Samoan family looking at you right now. Just hoping that you get some help. And you got the whole wrestling community. Some of them looking for your downfall. Some of them looking to hope that you get all right. And I'm part of the wrestling fan community that wants you to get all right, brother. So, again, my Two Cents podcast over here, G2, we want you to get all right. We want you to get well. Please check into some AA meetings or just stop drinking at all. At, at Just stop drinking if you can't do it. That's just me. But getting back to the show, Jay Uso tells Jimmy, I got you. Even in this hardship that you're in now, I got you. He hugs him and Roman says, see, this is what I was talking about. We're here. All of us. And he looks at Jimmy and says, this is what I've been trying to tell you. And you've only been selectively hearing what you wanted to hear. And you guys can be the next seven-time tag team champions. You guys can do this as long as you do it my way. Follow my leadership and everything will be fine. He drops the mic and he has his arms wide open. The Usos come in to hug Roman. And this is one big old family unit. So the bloodline is back together, and they're all on one page. So that means danger is around the corner for anybody that tries to go against any member of the bloodline. After this, we had our first match of the night, and it was a Money in the Bank qualifying match of King Nakamura going against Baron Corbin. King Nakamura ends up beating Baron Corbin by pinfall when he hits Baron Corbin with the Kinshasa. After this, we had a tag team match of Natalia and Tamina calling out any women in the back. And the two women that answered this were SmackDown debuting Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox, who will now be referred to as Shotzi and Tegan. No, not Shotzi and Tegan. I'm sorry. Shotzi and Knox. They took away the Tegan for Tegan Knox, and they took away the Blackheart for Shotzi Blackheart. So now it's Tegan and Knox. Uh, Shotzi and Knox beat Natalia and Tamina by pinfall whenever Shotzi hit Natalia with a senton drop from the top rope. After this, we have Shonya Deville announcing who will be facing Bianca Belair uh, next week on SmackDown for the Women's Championship. Since Bailey got injured and Bailey will be out for six months, Bailey will not be able to compete at Money in the Bank for the Women's Title, so they move that match up to next week. And next week, the person that will be replacing Carmella is, not Carmella, God, Bailey. I'm sorry to spoil it, is Carmella. There it is, ta-da. Carmella will be going against Bianca Belair at uh, SmackDown next week. Also, caveat, not caveat, just another thing to head note here. SmackDown will be in front of a live audience next week. So this will be the first show in over a year on the main roster that will have a complete audience for Raw or SmackDown or any type of those type of programs, this will be the first show that will be with the whole complete made audience. So SmackDown next week will be, I think will be fire. I think they'll send people home happy, but just to let you guys know, SmackDown will be with a full audience in attendance in the match that they will be seeing is Bianca Belair going against Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Carmella comes out and thanks Sonya Deville and Liv Morgan interrupts this and Liv Morgan says, how dare you? This is favoritism, blatant favoritism, favoritism. How can you give this opportunity to Carmella? I've beaten Carmella and yada, yada, yada. Sonya Deville tells her to shut up and she had to tell Liv that, listen, I put Carmella in that match next week and I was going to say who's going to replace Carmella at Money in the Bank and it was going to be you. And Liv Morgan stands there, and she wants to cry, and she holds her mouth, hand over her mouth, and Shonya Deville tells Liv, listen, you got 30 seconds to get out of my ring, or you will never get an opportunity at that Money in the Bank ladder match. You will never get an opportunity again. Do you got me? And she says, got you. And Liv Morgan gets out of the ring, but before she does that, she tells Carmella to her face, I hope that you beat Bianca next week, so whenever I win the Money in the Bank ladder match, I could cash it in right on you. Bianca Belair comes out. Bianca looks at Liv and looks at Carmella. She grabs the mic and say, listen, if Bailey is faking this injury, Bailey, how dare you fake this injury and 
run away from this butt whooping that you were going to get. But if you are truly injured, I feel for you, and I'm sorry. You have put in a lot of dedication to this match. You have put in a lot of dedication through this whole uh, pan- not pandemic, but this throughout this whole situation, and I can't wait to basically face you again. And she told Carmella point blank, "Next week I'm going to beat you," and that's about it. After this, we got uh, a vignette of showing us that Tony Storm, another NXT uh, wrestler, is going to be making her call up sometime soon on the SmackDown roster. This is letting SmackDown know that SmackDown was dwindling in women talent, and. So getting the call up of Tony Storm coming soon to SmackDown roster is a good like good little change up. After this, we got another Money in the Bank qualifying match of Seth Rollins going against Cesaro. Seth Rollins ends up beating Cesaro by pinfall whenever he hits Cesaro with the curb stomp. This was a great one-on-one match between the two. I like the WrestleMania match way better, probably because the audience was there and Cesaro got the win. But again, this match was fine and good for what it was needed in its intended purposes. But Seth Rollins did win, and he is the last man to enter to this Money in the Bank qualifying match for the men. So now, at Money in the Bank, for the men's side, it will be Kevin Owens, Riddle, Drew McIntyre, Big E, King Nakamura, Seth Rollins, uh, John Morrison, and Ricochet for that men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, after this match, Seth Rollins is in the back and he is chatting up with the Kayla, the interviewer, and he's so, so happy to celebrate. And he's saying that I've been in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And if my memory serves me correct, I won that. And I cashed in last time I cashed in. Who was it? It was on the Tribal Chief, Roman Reigns. And he does the mimicking of Roman. And he says that I'm going to win Money in the Bank and I'm going to do what I did last time. I'm going to win the Universal title. And I don't care who it is, whether it be Roman or Edge or da 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 da. And behind him is Edge. Edge looks at Rollins and says, "Listen, this isn't 2014. In 2014, let me just throw some backstory. Edge was out with an injury. Edge was deemed medically uncleared. He couldn't get back in the ring. And in 2014, Seth Rollins had Edge's neck, Edge on the mat." face down and he was ready to curb stomp uh edge in the ring and basically end his whole livelihood so edge made reference to this so this lets you know that edge it does, hasn't forgotten seth rollins and he lets seth know that listen i'm going to do what you don't have the guts to do i'm going to go out there and call out roman reigns to his face and say what i have to say and you will never do that and seth is just standing there looking pissed off and so now this is telling you somewhere down the line we're gonna get an Edge versus Seth Rollins match. More likely, there's been rumored and speculated at SummerSlam. So if this does happen at SummerSlam, this is now they dropped the seed for it. So don't be surprised if this match does happen at SummerSlam. After this, we had the in-ring promo of Edge where he calls out Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns tells the Usos to stay behind. I got this. Roman goes out to the ring. The Usos are in the backstage. They say that they don't like this. They smell a trap. And they go out there. The ring entrance uh, music hits. And Roman is just standing there. And he's looking all confused. And he looks at the Usos and he tells them, didn't I tell you to stay backstage? I told you. He called me out. He wants me one-on-one. I got this. And the Usos says, all right, go ahead and do it. Take care of it. And the Usos are now just out there on ringside, just watching as Edge and Roman are locking eyes, just staring at one another in the ring. And those two stars going to blows. And now Edge and Roman are bra- uh, brawling and fighting against one another. And Edge looks like he got the upper hand. And it looks like the Usos are about to jump in. And then the Mysterio's music hits. And the Usos are all in the apron. They look at the entrance ramp to see that if Ray and his son Dominic were going to come out through the entrance ramp. No, they slide into the ring with steel chairs and they hit both members of the Usos with the steel chairs. So now you got the Mysterios brawling with the Usos and Roman Reigns brawling with Edge. And it leads to basically Usos uh, dominating over the Mysterios and they get into the ring to try to help out Roman over Edge and until the Mysterios come in and hit uh, the Usos with a double 619 and Edge hits Jay with a spear. 
Roman Reigns has ran out of the ring. He's now on the ramp, and he's on the main stage. Now he's looking into the ring, and now Edge is going outside of the ring, and he's going to grab a chair. And he's going to do what he's done for the past last week. He goes out there, he grabs the chair, he breaks off the chair leg, he spins it a little bit, and he goes into the ring, and he locks in on the cross face with the arm chair, arm, uh, arm leg, well, the, well, with the chair leg, I'm sorry. With the chair leg to Jay's uh, face, he locks it in with the cross face, and he just hits and lays in that cross face, and he yells at Roman, aren't you going to help, Roman? This is you, Roman. This is you coming soon. This is you. After he lays in that cross face, he goes and hooks Jimmy up with the cross face, and he just applies that cross face. As Roman's on the main stage just looking, and he can do nothing about it. And this is how they end SmackDown. Roman on the main stage looking as both members of the Usos are in pain and agony. One after the other get locked into the crossface by Edge. And the Mysterios are holding down the Usos as Edge is doing this to them. So I see next week we're probably going to get a nice good subtle six man brawl. Or if anything a little tag team match between the Usos and the Mysterios. Where Roman's going to be in the Usos corners and Edge in the Mysterios corners. That's just my prediction for that next week, probably to end the show off next week. That's just my idea. If they were to do it, that's how I would do it. And now, before I do end this show off, let me give you my predictions for Slammiversary and Money in the Bank. For Slammiversary, I predict Kenny Omega beating Sammy Callahan to retain the Impact Wrestling Championship. And the Ultimate X match with Ace Austin, Rohit Raju, Trey Miguel, Petey Williams, Chris Bay and Josh Alexander, I suspect Josh Alexander to retain his X Division title. In the match between Moose and Chris Saban, I suspect Moose to beat Chris Saban. In the match for the Knockouts, ta- knockouts Championship, I suspect the mystery opponent to beat Deanna Perrazzo. For the tag team titles for the Fatal 4-Way match with Violence by Design, Rich Swan and Willie Mack, uh, TJP and Fala Ba and the Good Brothers. I suspect Violence by Design to retain the tag team titles. And the Knockouts tag team title match where Havoc and Rosemary going against Fire and Flavor, Kiera Hogan and uh, Tasha Steeles. I suspect Havoc and Rosemary to beat uh, Tasha Steeles and Kiera Hogan to win the Knockouts tag team titles. And I suspect W. Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cass, to beat Eddie Edwards in their match at Slammiversary. Money in the Bank. I suspect Riddle to win the men's Money in the Bank match. For the women, Money in the Bank is a toss-up right now because I suspect them to uh, include Sasha Banks in because there's still two uh, opening slots remaining for the women's side of the Money in the Bank. I know they're probably going to put Sasha in there to get that big crowd pop. And just to get that cheer for Sasha Banks, because Sasha is uh, a superstar. And I don't know who that last remaining person is. It's been speculated that Becky is cleared and she's been uh, looking and training back at the Performance Center. So we could see her back anytime soon. But I don't think they're going to throw her back in on the Money in the Bank match. If they do, that would be crazy. But... Who knows? But I do suspect Liv Morgan to win the Money in the Bank match. I could be dead wrong, but my second pick is Sasha Banks to win the Money in the Bank. After this, you have Lashley going against Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. I suspect Lashley to beat Kofi. No disrespect to Kofi, but Lashley's on a run right now, and I suspect him to have a big challenger at SummerSlam. Charlotte going against Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title. I suspect Charlotte to beat Rhea Ripley unless they put this in the I Quit match. And even then, I still suspect Charlotte to beat Rhea Ripley. And then for the final match, Roman Reigns going against Edge for the Universal title. I suspect Roman Reigns to beat Edge for the Universal title with shenanigans with Seth Rollins probably coming in to probably distract Edge or probably even the Usos to distract Edge. But I'm going with Seth Rollins more because Seth Rollins and Edge have this history with one another. And with that little nugget that they dropped this week on SmackDown, I see them trying to include Seth as a factor for why Edge didn't win at Money in the Bank next week. 
But that's just my predictions. Yet again, I'll still say it again. Roman Reigns to beat Edge if I wasn't clear enough. That's just my prediction for both Slammiversary and uh, Money in the Bank. Next week's episode of uh, Wrestling Highlights of the Week will be coming out on the on the 19th of July. July 19th. I'm going to wait until July 19th in the morning to drop my Wrestling Highlights of the Week to give you the highlights of what happened from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and Impact Wrestling, and also the results from Impact Wrestling Slammiversary and WWE's Money in the Bank ladder match. Well, WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And remember, Wrestling Highlights of the Week, next time you hear about this, will be dropping on the 19th. Not next Saturday, but the 19th. Again, the 19th for Wrestling Highlights of the Week. With that being said, keep your six, keep wearing your mask, wear, keep six feet away from each other. I love you guys. Tomorrow I'll be dropping a new episode of my Sunday portion of my podcast where I talk about anything in current events or just stuff that comes to my mind that I think that is really, really interesting. But then again, that's been Wrestling Highlights of the Week presented by G2 under the My Two Cents banner. I thank you guys. I will see you guys on the 19th for Wrestling Highlights of the Week, but tomorrow for Sunday's uh, portion of My Two Cents podcast. Thank you. Have a good day. I'm tired. You tired. Jesus wept.